Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Good morning. Let me say welcome to you as well. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dave uh, Jacobson, one of the pastors here. It's an honor to be able to serve here and to be able to open up God's Word uh, together. So good to see all of you here and uh, love worshiping. Uh, I love this time of year. Uh, love singing those Christmas songs. You know, hey, if you're not going to sing them now, then when, right? Like, we got we to gotta sing, uh, sing those songs, and um, it is uh, always um, uh, brings back uh, memories and uh, reminds me of, of, uh, of, of different seasons, different times, uh, but just as a faithfulness and, and, um, and uh, just the uh, presence of, of the Lord. Uh, this morning, what we want to do as we open up God's Word this morning is uh, kind of press pause on our study in John. And uh, so those of you that just brought your John journal, you're, uh, you're going to need to use one of our Bibles or open up one on your app. I just saw a couple people like just look at their, 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 uh, <laughs> their journal. We have those John journals. Sorry, I didn't give you a heads up. But uh, we, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John, uh, but John doesn't give any of the narrative account of, of what happens at Christ's birth. And uh, Christmas is, um, for those of you counting down, right, we are now, what, six, uh, eight days, seven days till Christmas Eve night, you know, the whole uh, time. But we have eight more days. My uh, son um, asks Alexa every morning um, and several times throughout uh, the day, uh, Alexa, how many days until Christmas? And, uh, she will, and then she'll, so you'll even say like minutes or hours. Sometimes he'll, he'll ask that as well. But there's been a countdown, and we are getting close. And uh, here's the thing that, that I want to make sure that we are ready for is um, Christmas is a unique time. Um, it is a good rhythm to be in, in uh, sort of a, an annual rhythm of, of celebrating, reflecting, remembering um, Christ's coming and his birth. And, uh, you know, it, it uh, is not just about what happened there as a baby, but it informs why he came and where he's going to come again. Uh, do you know that there are um, only a couple of uh, chapters, really, of that give the account of the birth, um, but uh, but then from that, uh, what flows as a result is catastrophic. It's it's massive. Like it's it it just affects everything in uh, that that changes in because of that. And so what we want to do is make sure that our hearts are ready, that we have taken adequate time to prepare that as Christmas morning comes, it's more than just the, uh, the decorations and the shopping and the cooking and all of that, uh, the travel plans, but, but that our hearts are ready. And I don't know about you, uh, but it seems like every year it gets here you know, quicker. Uh, every year Christmas comes a little bit faster. Uh, this year, for whatever reason, um, we've had a hard time preparing our house for Christmas. Um, we, I don't know why it just kind of seemed, I think maybe just the way some things have fallen or, or it kind of happened, it just seemed busier than normal. Uh, we were just talking yesterday. Um, I, I asked Bri, I said, hey, you haven't been like bugging me about the uh, stockings. We don't have stockings up in our house. Um, and you know, for us, it's a project. There's seven of them, right? You know, some of you, you have a, you know, maybe a couple or, uh, you know, a few, but we, we got seven. Okay. So it's a project. It's not, not the easiest thing. We don't have these kind of set place. We got to, we put little hooks on the wall and she's like, she thought that we had hung them somewhere else, and and I don't know why, you know, but she was like, oh, no, they go right here. She's like, oh, that would look really good. Like, that, we should do that. And I was like, yeah, we, we definitely should. Um, we, we haven't, uh, we elected not this year to just, we, we kind of forewent the, the lights in the house. I do have a sign that is, like, sitting in my garage ready to go out. I just haven't quite made it out yet. Um, even this year, we were, uh, we've... We've been disappointed by the tree selection. That's one thing we definitely miss about North Carolina. Our years in North Carolina usually involved a trip to the mountains, and we would cut down one of the most beautiful trees ever. It was always a winner every single year. And, um, and, and around here, I don't know, we've had a hard, hard time finding really great trees, live trees um, that last and, and live. And so this year, you know, we're like, we're like kind of done with that. And so we, we went to a fake tree, and there was like a mini revolt in our house. You would have thought that we were canceling Christmas or something. <laughs> our kids were like... I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. But then the moment that it all kind of came together was when we put it together. Um, we got one of those newer ones that you just kind of like put it on and you don't even have to connect cords. And then it just sort of like lights up. And they were like, oh, so you mean dad's not going to be angry for 25 minutes, like trying to put lights on the tree? They were like, this is a kind of a win. So I usually, the Christmas spirit leaves for a few moments when the lights are going on the tree every year because inevitably 
It doesn't matter if I get new ones or not. There's always some that don't work, all of that. But just to kind of save on time and just make it a little bit easier, we were like, let's just let's try a fake tree for a while. And so we kind of went went that way. Um, but it's just felt like, you know, it's it's been, it's kind of gotten here quickly. So I don't know if you can relate. I don't want to kind of project my December and sort of my, uh, you know, season leading up to Christmas onto you. But But if your December, if your sort of, Advent season has been anything like mine, then, then maybe as Christmas is coming, you're like, man, I got, I got some work to do. Not, not so much for the house, not the gifts, not all these things that I'm talking about, like just preparing your heart for what we're about to do. And we want to prepare our heart to celebrate. And I know, and I just want to say at the outset that for some, for many even, um, this season, this time can bring mixed emotions. Uh, there's some hard things or tough things about it. Um, it's, it's a reminder of uh, perhaps pain in the past or, or the person who um, isn't here uh, this year. And so I know that there's some challenges, but at the same time, even in the midst of challenges, as we've already sung this morning and as we've reflected on with the candle of joy, that this is a season meant for joy. It's a season not because of, you know, the Christmas spirit or warm sort of fuzzies that like, you know, come from uh, all of the sentimental kind of things that happen this time of year. It's meant to be a season of joy because real joy was given and brought through the person of Jesus Christ. And rejoicing is the result. It's what we do with our joy. Rejoicing is the action of joy. So what do you do with a song? You sing it. What do you do with joy? You rejoice. It's the action of joy. And so what we want to do as we get ready for Christmas, is that we want to rejoice as a direct result of knowing God, remembering what he's done, reflecting on who he is and what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to direct our attention. We're going to, again, press pause in John, and um, it'll be kind of a long pause uh, because next week we'll uh, have a special kind of Christmas Eve uh, message uh, going into the new year. Pastor Jeff will be preaching uh, kind of a, a New Year's message and, and, and really talking about some, um, some of the things that we want to do this year in God's Word and, and just kind of our desire for that. And then uh, in January, we're going to have a special five-week series uh, just kind of walking through uh, some of the things that we are and about and, and what makes us um, a, a church and, and, and all of that. And so there's going to be kind of this fun start to the, uh, to the new year. I'm really excited about that series. And so then come February, we'll jump right back into John. We'll pick up right where we left off. It's a great spot to pause. Things are ramping up. They're heating up for Jesus. Some of the tensions are growing. So we're going to jump right back in with chapter 7 um, in, uh, in February. Uh, but this morning, I want to look at this passage uh, here in Luke. And uh, we've already read part of it, but what we're looking at this morning is known as uh, Mary's Song or the Magnificat. It is, comes from the Latin word uh, magnify, which Mary uses right here in the beginning of uh, this song. And it could be seen or uh, referred to as the first Christmas carol ever, right? We just sang a Christmas carol. This would have been the first Christmas carol. And uh, I want to read uh, this song, and it's going to help inform and direct our hearts this morning as we prepare uh, for Christmas. Let's uh, look at it together. Um, uh, you can uh, follow along on your copy. We'll, we'll put it on the screen as we walk through, but I want to read it in its entirety now. It says this, And Mary said, I'm in Luke 1, 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now and on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and, his ho and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty, and he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his offspring forever. As we get ready to look at this passage together, let's just pray that God would teach us now. Uh, God, we come before you this morning, and Lord, our hearts are probably in different places. Uh, some of us um, perhaps have been doing a great job. Uh, getting ready and preparing our hearts and, God, reflecting through this Advent season. And others maybe are in the same boat that I'm feeling where it just it gets here quickly. And, Lord, we need to stop and reflect and to, uh, God, look at what you have done and, God, what you are doing. 
And so I pray that as we look at your word this morning, God, that we would find a fresh source of joy. Lord, that our joy would not come from temporal or manufactured things, but God, that our joy would come from the truest, deepest well that we can draw from. God, that we would see it in your word this morning, that we would respond to it. And so God, teach us now as we study together. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we just read the song, but this is a song of rejoicing, and it's a song of celebration, but it's helpful to get a little bit of the context before uh, to just kind of get here and understand how we, uh, how we got to this place. And so if we can, why don't we actually just backtrack a little bit and just remind ourselves of what's led up to this moment here. If you go back in uh, Luke to verse 26, uh, it's this a story of the account of an angel coming and visiting Mary. And it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Sure, she's trying to discern all sorts of things in that moment. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him a throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of, the, of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This amazing proclamation, right? Mary, uh, he, she was young. She was um, living in this sort of rural town, uh, not the likely candidate for the mother of the Son of God, yet visited by this angel, given this tremendous prophecy, this foretelling of what was to take place. And in verse 34, we see his, her response uh, to the message that he brought and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That word, how will this be, is like, that sounds impossible. Like, is there any way that this could actually take place? I, I don't see this happening. I, I don't understand what is going on. And to that, the angel assured her and answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So how is it to be this impossible thing? Well, it was going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It was going to be a work of the Lord. And to encourage her further, she, he, she, told, she was told of this relative uh, who had also had a miracle happen to her. Listen, look at verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, uh, far beyond when uh, the, the time for bearing children was uh, normal or even possible, uh, Elizabeth, um, along with her husband Zechariah, uh, she had been barren for um, their entire marriage. And in her old age, there was a promise. An angel appeared to them and, and, and said to Zechariah that that. They, they too would have a baby, and this baby would be what we call John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, uh, to go before and to announce of Jesus' coming and to prepare the way. And so there's this miracle that's already taken place. A lot of times we call Elizabeth cousin. It could have been a cousin or may have been more distant than that. We don't really know, but it was a relative. And, uh, and it says here, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Before we continue on, what an amazing declaration of submission, of faith, of trust that we see there. That word servant is super watered down for us. It's, uh, the word there is the same word for slave or bondservant. Um, it would have not been uh, just, a, uh, just a servant, but this indebtedness, this much, much low, low uh, kind of position. And she's like, I am here to serve the Lord. I am placing myself under his authority, under his direction, and I'm going to follow. But 
even in this place of faith, I think the reason that she was given by the angel this reminder, this kind of uh, this opportunity to go to Elizabeth and to see what God had done was to bolster or to boost her faith, right? To give her a confidence and an assurance. And so she does that. And look at she doesn't waste any time. Keep going in verse 39. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to the town in Judah. This would have been somewhere around a 50-mile journey. She's kind of traveling across uh, the um, land of Israel. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. (laughs) Such a cool picture of this response, this understanding of what was going on. God was already working even in that. I won't comment on the baby leaping in the womb. I don't know anything about that. Um, I'll leave that to uh, those of you who know far more than that. But um, what an experience there to, uh, for Elizabeth, even as Mary is coming in and, and, and something is happening and God reveals to her what it is. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So he leads her, he impresses upon her, he, he reveals to her what was going on. And it says that she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so much going on here. Again, we're just kind of getting the background, so I don't want to dig in too much, but a couple things I want to point out, even in the statement that Elizabeth makes. There's some tremendous theology that's happening there. See, Elizabeth understands and knows what's going on, but notice she's speaking here even of, even in this this passage, we see the Trinity at work. It says the Holy Spirit filled her Right? And she acknowledged and noticed, she said, Behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, um, my baby uh, leaped, for, leaped for joy. Right before that, it says, Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So he's like, the mother of my Lord. So the Lord is in your womb right now. The Lord is here. But notice what she says at the end. She says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so this message was given that the Lord was going to come. And so here you have this this declaration from the Lord. And now she's standing here in the presence with the mother of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is leading her in this. And so you see, even in this moment, this kind of beautiful picture of the Trinity at work. It's clear that God is leading. He's revealing. He's showing. He's wanting them to understand this work that's happening right now. We haven't even gotten into the main part of it, but I just want to give us a bonus point. Can I give like a little pre-point, like a bonus, bonus takeaway from this? I, I think we see right here is the gift and benefit of community, of relationship. See, notice, um, Mary's about to respond with this song of celebration, right? This song of rejoicing. How does she arrive or how does she come to this conclusion? How does she come to this place? It's being with and in the presence of Elizabeth. It's, it's Elizabeth's responding and Elizabeth's leading in, in this moment. And so here, by going to Elizabeth, by, by interacting with Elizabeth, by talking with Elizabeth, she's led into a greater understanding, a greater awareness of what is happening here. And so here we see just even one of the benefits that happen in community. How many times can you relate to that where you've been speaking with a Christian brother or sister? You've been at small group. You've been in a conversation with a group of believers, and they're talking about a truth, or, or you're kind of working something out, or you're sharing something that God has happened. All of a sudden, God uses that to impress upon you and to lead you into a greater understanding of his truth and of his word. I love this picture that we see in community. And so what a great way to to, to be just reminded of that, that sometimes God, and oftentimes, God speaks through uh, community uh, and and reinforces and and reminds us and and instructs us in truth that he is revealed. And so again, she gets this magnificent, crazy promise, this proclamation, and she's wrestling with it. And where does she get the confidence and the assurance is there in community? community. So here we see, again, the bonus point, that there is benefit in the gift of community and that God leads us through others here in this place. 
But now seeing all of that, seeing what's kind of led to this moment, now we see the response that Mary has. And this is what I want to spend the rest of our time in, is seeing this, this response of, of joyous celebration. And that would this lead us in preparing our hearts? And I think there's three ways that we can prepare to, to celebrate, to reflect on Christ at Christmas. And the first is this, that we would reflect on what Christ has done. That we would reflect on what Christ has done. And we see this in the very first part of her song. Uh, beginning in verse 46 again, it says this, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He's done great things for me. Notice her response. She says there in uh, verse 46 and 47, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, what she's not talking about there is two different parts of her. Uh, it's not like part of, like her soul is doing this and her spirit's doing something else. She's using sort of this double word for the same thing. It's her inner being. It's who she is. Her soul and her spirit, it's the same. It's magnifying. It's rejoicing. And notice it's not, um, she's saying it as if it's, it's done, right? Like she's been brought to this point. Something has transformed but from the time that she received the message to now this time when she has been with Elizabeth and she is seeing her uh, at that point, you know, belly starting to kind of show, uh, the, the baby's obviously kicking and feeling and all of that. Like she's saying, man, here in your old age, cuz, like you've got this, this baby inside of you. God is at work and God has brought her to this place of rejoicing. And she doesn't say, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting there or I'm, I'm warming up to the idea of what God is doing in this moment right? Like, I'm on my way to rejoicing. No, she says, my soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices. God has brought her all the way there to this place of rejoicing. And how do we get there? What does that look like for us? Well, I think in the same way she rejoices in, she's looking back, she's reflecting on what God has done. She's saying she, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. You have to understand that Mary and Joseph, her betrothed, were the poorest of the poor. Uh, we're going to see them visit the temple later, and they're going to bring a, a, uh, an offering, and, and what they brought were, were pigeons. Pigeons were reserved for the poorest of the poor. So they're not coming from wealth. They're not coming from status. This isn't the person or the, the couple that you would have expected for, for God to work through. Yet, it says he looked on the humble estate of his servant. Just kind of the reminder that God can use and do whatever he wants in whoever he wants in whatever way he pleases. It's just this reminder, right? It is this reminder that he has looked on the humble estate of a servant. She's like, I've done nothing. There's nothing about me. There's nothing that I've done. There's no reason that he should choose me, yet he has. This reminder, from behold, now on all generations will call me blessed She's not bragging. She's not like kind of saying, well, you know, now I'm, I'm something special. She's saying, who am I that they would now call me blessed? And we do. See, I grew up, you know, kind of in a Protestant church. And so uh, to me, you know, Mary had a special place, but not nearly those of you kind of coming from a Catholic tradition. There's, there's sort of this, this very high elevating, even to the place of praying and an and, and elevation of that. I think we got to meet probably a little bit more in the middle. Like Mary was super special. And so maybe those of us kind of growing up um, in a Protestant tradition just kind of see her as anybody else, but she was uniquely chosen. Nobody else has given birth to the savior of the world, okay? So she goes in a category all of her own. But those of you maybe growing up or coming up from a Catholic tradition maybe need to understand and elevate that she also is a sinner like you and me. It was her savior too. That's what she's saying here is that she too was in need of this Savior. And who is she to be called blessed in this way? And so we understand and we see what he's doing for her. And he says, he has done, he who is mighty has done great things for me. This Christmas, as we want to prepare, as we want to get our hearts ready, I would encourage you in this week ahead to take some time and reflect on what has God done for you. Can I just ask you that even now? Like, what has God done for you? 
What has he done this year? What has he done through the circumstances, through the difficulties, through the joy that you've experienced this year? What has he done in your home? What has he done through your place of employment or school? What has he done in your relationships? What's happened in this past year that you can see God's hand clearly working? Don't just look back on this year, but then even pan back further and just ask the question, how has God worked in my life? How, how has he worked spiritually? How has he brought me to this place? What are the things that he's done over a lifetime? And what is he still doing here in this moment? Can I encourage you, can I exhort you to reflect on what God has done? She is taking stock. She's taking inventory of this. God is at work here. He has done some things for me in this moment. I think it's good for us to do as individuals. It's good for us to do as a family. I think it's good for us to do as a church. I was just thinking this week about some of the things that God's done for us just this year as, as a church. If we're honest, the year 2023 began with a bit of a discouragement. There was a project, a partnership that we were kind of working on and uh, kind of fell through. Again, we were praying through that, and so we trust the Lord's timing and his working in that, and he clearly had some other plans and some things going on. But, but what we saw is obviously ministry didn't stop. It didn't cease. It didn't mean that you know everything was, was off or kind of that we missed it. It just meant that that was kind of where we were at, and we're trusting the Lord in that. But what we've seen in this year is we've seen there have been people that have come to know Jesus in this church this year. There is salvation that has happened in our midst this year. People's eternity have been changed here in this church this year. We've seen people declare that through baptism this year. We have some more baptisms coming up in the month of January. If you're, maybe you accepted Christ this year, or maybe you have come to a greater understanding or knowledge of who Christ is, and you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to think about getting baptized in the month of January. It's a great month. Somebody asked me, is the water cold? I think we just think everything's cold because it's January. No, the water's not cold. It is warm. It's great. It's, 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 it's a very comfortable temperature to get baptized in, okay? We're not going down to Lake Monona or anything like that, all right? We're doing it right here, and if you've never been baptized, could you you be a part, one of the numbers, one of the, one of the faces, one of the stories of what God has done here in our midst. But we've seen people come to faith in Jesus and declare that in this year. We were part of, a uh, major part, in launching the, the ministry of safe families here in the county. And that got started um, just six months ago. And in those six months, it's been um, some, some exciting things, some difficult things, some learning things. But we've seen dozens and dozens of volunteers trained, many of them from our church. We've been able to um, host and serve dozens of families already uh, this year. And we are seeing God working through that. And that was uh, the result and answer to years of praying in that. We've also seen there was... Um, I think some really cool things that happened through our marriage retreat last spring. Uh, God working in relationships and marriage relationships here in our church. Our kids' ministry has been growing and developing. Our student ministry is ramping up. There's some new and exciting things happening in that. More to come in the new year. We've seen outreach throughout our community events between block parties and uh, kids camp and our trunk or treat and the Thanksgiving meals. And just this last week, again, having, um, you know, uh, just so many people walking through our doors and, and, and experiencing the love of Christ in a very tangible way. Again, our hope, our desire through those events and especially through this toy shop is to show and demonstrate the love of Jesus. We know that that in itself isn't going to save anyone, but hopefully they see and can understand the love of Christ and will be drawn toward his love. Uh, Matthew 5, um, 14 uh, through 16 is where we get the name of our church. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The last part of that verse says, so let them see your good works and they will in turn give glory to your father who is in heaven. God, we are trying to do a good work here in this community. We're trying to leave it better than, where, than when we came. We're trying to be a light here in this place in the midst of darkness because Christ has come and he has brought light and he is doing that. And I'm so excited. I can't wait for you to meet them and get to know them. But we announced last week, if you read the weekly this week, we reminded or sort of told you again, if you haven't yet heard, um, we are going all in with Spanish ministry in the new year. 
and uh, God um, uh, led us to uh, a new relationship, and uh, there's um, a pastor that we candidated and interviewed back in October, our elders, and, and uh, many from uh, the church. We had several of our uh, Spanish-speaking um, uh, uh, church members that were a part of that process and getting to know and, and meet, and Lino Rodriguez is going to be coming, and his family is driving today, and uh, they are on their way here, and they will arrive tomorrow, and they're going to be with us now, and um, if you're at the Christmas Eve service, I don't know which one, but one of them, maybe both, we'll see. I don't think they have a whole lot else going on, so they'll maybe be at both, but you're going to get to meet them and, um, and, 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 and get to know them, but they're going to be uh, leading, and basically, we're planting a new church. And if anyone ever asks, like, why do we need a Spanish ministry? What do we? You obviously didn't come to the toy shop because <laughs> I'm just telling you, like, there are so many Spanish speakers in our neighborhood. We can't reach this neighborhood with the gospel. That's why we need it. And uh, I've shared some of the stats before, but just to say it again, I mean, 7% of Dane County is um, Hispanic, and many of them are uh, primary language would be Spanish. And so there is such a need. There is only like a dozen or so churches uh, that is uh, able or doing Spanish services. And it is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing uh, demographic in our county. And so it is a need. And so basically we are planting a whole new church that's part of our church. It's not a separate church. It's going to be part of our church. And God is doing that. And he's brought all of this about. And it is so cool to see the way that he is working I share that church family just so you can be encouraged. This is what he's doing in our church family. Let me ask you again, what is he doing in your life, in your family? What is going on that you can give praise to God for? One of the ways that you can prepare your heart for Christmas is to give thanks and to reflect on what God has done. Has he brought you peace this year? Has he brought you joy? Have you seen hope in the things that he's been doing? Have you experienced his love? These are all things that Christ has brought and he is doing. And we need to take time and we need to reflect. It's going to prepare our hearts for it. That's what Mary is reflecting on. She's seeing, she's remembering what God has done. Well, She doesn't stop there. Let's keep going. Let's read verse 49 again and then we'll read the following verse as well. It says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Not only should we, uh, if we want to prepare for Christmas, do we reflect on what God has done? Well, we should also remember who God is. And this would be his character, his attributes, his divine attributes, which have been demonstrated, shown to us in his word, and then reinforced and demonstrated in his works. Here we see just a few of them, but as we talk about the character of God, I think sometimes this, this gets lumped into sort of a theological category. Like this is a, a learning to learn sort of, of, of thing, but it's not. Like we learn these things so that it informs the way that we live and respond to him. And so the character of God is not just known, but it's worshiped and experienced. Like we worship God because of these things and we experience these things in God's working. One of the commentators, Daryl Bach, said this. It says, God's attributes are meant not only to be understood and worshipped, but they are to be experienced as well, seen in the everyday affairs of life. And so here's three, just three. There's many, many more uh, that we could look at, but, but Mary lists three here. Did you see him there? Uh, verse 49 says, for he who is mighty. It's one of the characteristics, the attributes of God. He is mighty. He has power. He's not like you or me. He's not limited in what he can do. He is able to work in ways and things that you and I never could. This should be an encouragement to us, yet sometimes we find this as a discouragement. Why? Well, because sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we're like, well, I know God's mighty, right? I know that he's able to work. Why isn't he working right now? If he can, why won't he? Well, that's where his wisdom and knowledge and his holiness kind of comes in. But it's not meant to be a discouragement. It's meant to be an encouragement. If he can work and he hasn't worked, clearly there's a reason why he hasn't. You can be encouraged by that. If you're looking for healing, if you're looking for the situation or the circumstance to change, if you're walking through a trial or a difficulty right now, know that you're not walking through it because God isn't able to fix it. You're walking through it right now because it's a broken world that we live in and it's not yet time for him to fix it. There's a reason for that. 
And so we need to be encouraged that God is mighty, that he is able. He's not limited. He's not bound in the same way that you or I are. The next attribute or characteristic that we see here is his holiness. He is holy. She says, holy is his name, is what Mary declares. And holiness is, there's lots of words we could use. It's an otherness. It's a not like us. It's a separate. It's a perfection. And she says, holy is his name. That was a way of the the name represents the very personhood or or who, who they are. And so in his very being, his reputation, his character was one of holiness. It was separate. It was other. Again, back to the point of why he may not be working. It's because he's not like you and me. He's, he's different from us. And so he's not broken. He's not frail. He's not affected by sin. He is above and beyond and totally perfect. And all that he says, does, is he's holy. That in itself should give us pause. Who are we that he would look upon us? Who are we that he would invite us into his family? You know, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is a holy God inviting an unholy, imperfect people into his family. One of the other ways you can look at Christmas is that the Son of God became human so that humans would be able to become the children of God. Right? Like the Son of God became a human so that humans would have the ability to become the children, the sons and daughters of God. And this is a holy God that's doing this. See, it's so incredible when you understand his holiness that he is doing it, but that's why it was so important that Jesus came because the penalty of sin needed to be paid. The uh, curse of sin needed to be broken before he could welcome us in to his presence and into his family. And so Jesus came to pay the price, to lay down his life for his blood to be shed, for forgiveness to be given so that a holy God could, re- could accept, could receive, based on not our work, but his work, forgiven, freed people, made holy by the work and power of Jesus Christ. Holy is his name. And we see a third attribute, characteristic here in verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him. God is merciful. His mercy is demonstrated here. Mercy is uh, kind of the other side of the coin of grace. Uh, Grace is uh, getting what we uh, don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what is deserved. We deserve separation. We deserve punishment. Yet God in his mercy withholds that rather poured that out on his son. The wrath of God was given to Jesus and poured out on Jesus. And so we see that his mercy, his withholding, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God is a merciful God. My question for us today is, what do you know to be true about God? What does God's word say? And as I said at the beginning, it's not just what we know, but what we have experienced. What are you experiencing about God today? In this moment, she was experiencing God's might, his holiness, his mercy right here. She's seeing that and experiencing it and worshiping him for it. Can I just make a quick plug, even in this point, and as we see this, to uh, consider reading through the Bible next year. I think it's a great practice, great habit, great rhythm to kind of get into. I encourage you to have a regular rhythm. It doesn't have to be the whole Bible. It doesn't have to be every single year, but you should regularly be in God's Word. We announced last week, and we've been sending out some tools, but um, there's a reading plan that we've put together, and, and um, it's uh, not original to us, but this is a five-day plan that's going to take us through all of Scripture. If you want to read somewhere else and kind of have your own plan, that's great, okay? No, no shade on that at all. What we're excited about is the opportunity to sort of uh, read together and to be able to respond together and to be looking at this together. And so can I just make a plug for this and say that one great way or great outcome of doing this would be as you read, like some people are like, what do I do when I read or what am I looking for when I read? 
I, I have a whole system that I kind of use, but um, I've shared this before. I have this, this pencil which has um, several different colors, and each one of these colors kind of represents something that I'm looking for and that, I, and that I'm, hi- I'm not highlighting everything. I'm not trying to categorize the Bible, but when I see something in God's Word that is an encouragement to me or challenging to me or, or a reminder to me, I, I circle it, I underline it, I, I kind of square it out. And so um, here in even this passage... The color of dark blue for me is, is places of worship or where you see God's um, his nature. And you probably can't see it where you're seating, but I have these three words. They're in dark blue here in my Bible. And as I go through, I'm just kind of putting these colors and seeing that. And then as I go back and I flip through passages, I can see some of the things that God has shown me and reminded me of or taught me or challenged me or called me to in that. Can I just tell you that as this coming year, as you spend time in God's word, would you take time and look for every chance you get places where the word of God reveals the character of God? We need to understand and know so that we can look for and then experience. So let me just ask you, are you experiencing God's might right now? Or do you need to experience his might? Do you need to be reminded that he is able? His holiness, his otherness, his perfection, he is above and high and worthy of worship, that he is withholding from us things that we are deserving of. He's so patient with us. What else? What are some of his other characteristics? What are some of his other attributes that you're seeing and experiencing even now that God is doing and showing you? As we prepare our hearts for Christmas, let's remember who it is that came, who it is that sent his son. Would we remember who God is? And number three, let me show it to you, and then I'll give you the point. Verse 51, we'll continue on. It says this, he has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our father's to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This is the third way that we prepare. It's this, is that we respond to what God is doing and will do. Respond to what God is doing and will do. What we see here is a bunch of statements about what God has done in the past. And we might be tempted to just think that she's doing more reflecting. But there's a reason why she's staying it this way. She's saying it this way because it's a reminder and sort of a remembrance. Um, She's responding to what God is doing even now. She says, he has shown strength with his arm, and that's what he's doing now. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and that's what he's doing now and will do. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Did she not say, who are, you know, me from humble estate, right? This humble place, he's looked upon me. That's what he's doing right now and will do. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That's what he has done and what he will do. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham, his offspring forever. He's bringing about these promises. This this promise of the coming Messiah is coming about right now. And so what Mary is doing in this moment is she's reflecting on what he's done, but she's responding to what he is doing in this moment and what he will do in the future. We need to remember that God is working both physically and spiritually all around us. God's plan is multifaceted. Do you know that he's working out like a million different plans all at the same time? Like the things that you're praying for at times are colliding with what somebody else is praying for? Let me give a little like stupid illustration, right? Like for as many people as are praying that the Packers win, which... There's much better things. If you need some things for your prayer life, if you're praying a lot about the Packers, let me give you a list of some other things that you can spend your time praying for, okay? Let's not waste our prayers on that. They need a lot more than prayer this year, but we did have that one win, and then last week, oh man. But there's someone praying for the Packers. There's somebody else that's praying for, uh, you know, for the other team, and it's not like kind of this cosmic thing of like, oh, how's that all working out, right? Let's use something a little bit more important. There's like people that are, you know, have some wedding reception, outdoor wedding reception planned, and uh, they're praying that it doesn't rain. Near, and then the nearby farmer is like, he's like looking at his crops and kind of, you know, trying to figure out everything, crunching numbers. And he's like, man, I, God, would you please send some rain? Um, Saturday would be great. Like, why don't you, you know, like God's working all of that out at the same time. 
Can we just say that like he is doing, his plan is multifaceted. And you and I were like, how does that all work out? That's why we're not in his chair. And he is, okay? He is God. It's multifaceted and it's multigenerational. Do you see what he says? It says that he's, he's doing it from generation to generation. He spoke to our fathers and then the offspring forever. I mean, some of his plans are, are beyond our lifetime. Like there's things that he's doing that we're not even gonna get to see. There's things that are going to far beyond, kind of pass us. God is beyond the generations. And so he's working all of his things out. I share that or say that just to, be remind, just to remind you that you can trust him. He is working and he will do that which he said. Everything that he said will come to pass. You and I make promises all the time that we don't keep. I told my kids that joy sign was going out this last week and it didn't. I let him down, <laughs> all right? I'm not God, okay? It's going out today. How about that? I'll say it today. There's a good chance that there's gonna be some reasons that I'm not gonna want to this afternoon, but you know what? I need my neighbors to know that I love Jesus a lot and that joy sign is gonna tell them, hopefully reinforce, hopefully that's not the only way. But like, we don't always keep our word. God always does. There's nothing that God has said that he has not fulfilled on. So if you see it in God's word, it is a promise to guarantee it will happen. It will come to pass. Maybe not in the way that we think, maybe not in the timing that we think, but it will come to pass. You know that sometimes I think our joy, we're talking about joy this morning, sometimes our joy is lacking when we forget that God is working. Sometimes we don't see God working because we're looking in the wrong place, or we expect it to look differently or we desire for it to look differently. We see it and we're like, I really wish it wasn't that. Or it only counts if it's quick. Yeah, God, you did it, but it wasn't fast enough. Or we give credit to someone else. Sometimes we miss the way that God's working because we're not looking in the right way, the right place, the right timing, all of that. Let's look for the ways that God is working. Not just how he has worked, but how is he working right now? Again, Mary took this journey of 50 miles to go see her cousin, her relative, Elizabeth, so that she could be encouraged by the way that God is working right now. God used that to bring joy to her heart. Can you be reminded that God is working right now? Some of the very things that God has promised in his word are coming to pass and have come to pass and are still being worked out even right now. If you scan your eyes forward, I just want to show you this. Zechariah, again, the father of John the Baptist, he has this prophecy after, uh, after John is born in verse 76 of the same chapter we're in here in Luke 1. It says, and you, child, it's talking about uh, John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I love that last couple lines there. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The sun has come, right? We read this in John 1. The light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That is what he is doing right now. God is shining light on our dark world. He is shining lights into our dark hearts. He is giving peace to our fretful, fearful minds. He is leading us in his way. He is doing this right now. He said he would do it and he is doing it. And so joy doesn't just come in us seeing the way that God's working, but it comes in us trusting the way that God is working. This takes it to the next level. It's one thing to know, it's another thing to trust. To say, just like the words of Mary, I am a servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. God, whatever you would have, whatever you're doing, I submit to you, I trust you, I believe you, I'm willing to follow you. See, this song wasn't just written because it's a song that Mary has. This song was written. This is a song that all of us can declare. It's a song of celebration. It's a song of reflection. It's a song of remembering. It's a song of declaration. 
And what she's doing is she's displaying her trust in the Lord. And so my first question to you was, do you know, do you see, do you recognize what God is doing? My next question is, or even bigger question is, do you trust what he's doing? See, that's one of the ways that we respond to him is we trust, we believe, we put our hope in him and what he is doing. This is our source of joy. This is how we get ready to celebrate. This is not some manufactured kind of, you know, works for a few minutes, then kind of break sort of joy. This is a lasting, deep, deep, deep well of joy that we can draw from regularly. When we come back, when we look to the person of Jesus, who he is, why he came, and what he has done, and what he is doing in our midst. Church, this is why we praise. This is why we celebrate. This is why Christmas is so, so important and helpful and good for us. And so let's celebrate well. Let's prepare well. Can I challenge you? Prepare this week. How are you going to celebrate? What is that going to look like? Not just the presents, not just all the food or whatever else is going on, but how are you going to celebrate in your heart this Christmas? How are you going to take time? How are you going to reflect? How are you going to respond? Make a plan for that. Let's do it together, church. Let's pray. God, we thank you as we do each and every week for the wisdom, God, the reminder, the instruction that comes from your word. And Lord, we are reminded this morning, just in small ways, we, we, we scratch the surface, Lord, of all the attributes, all the characteristics of who you are. God, we give you praise for your love this morning. Who are we that you would love us, that you would show us your kindness through your son, Jesus? God, we receive and we accept the gift of life that you've given, Lord, life eternal, a life of quality, God, a life of joy. Lord, help us to live in light of that truth. God, I pray for us this year, for our celebration, God, that you would move and stir in our hearts. God, that you would draw us to a greater place, a greater understanding of who you are, that our celebration would reflect the God and the work that you are. God, the work that you are doing. Lord, we declare that with everything that we have. God, that with all that we are, that you are worthy of our worship. God, you are worthy of our praise. As we sang earlier, God, you are worthy of your name. Jesus, the name above every name, the name that saves God, we give you praise for who you are. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.